Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, here we are. We're back. Said I was in the green room for a minute. It's a, it's good to be back in the club, everybody, because UFC 271 is in the books, and we have a lot to discuss. As you can see, Hall of Fame panel here. We got Jose Youngs in Houston. We got Jed Mishu. We got Shaheen Al Shadi. I am Mike Heck. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos. Jose, we will begin with you, my man, because you were in the building. You were inside the Toyota Center as Israel Adesanya successfully defended his title against Robert Whitaker. What was it like out there, seeing that fight live, seeing Izzy out there doing his thing? And I'm curious how you scored the fight as well. Yes, strong score. We're off. We're off to the races. Jose, that was my fault. I had it 5-0 for Israel Adesanya, but I can't. I don't know if that's because uh, I'm just watching it live and his his – strikes were just significantly like louder than it, Robert Whitaker. Now I'm not saying that's because Robert Whitaker didn't land anything. I just, it's hard. It's, it's much different watching a fight live, especially when like, cause where, where they have the media, there's like that pole in the middle. And especially when they're on the opposite side, a lot of the, the offense that Israel and Robert Whitaker were putting out were was on the other side of the octagon. So to me, uh, to our friend, Oscar Willis, to the man, the five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, WWE champion who was sitting right next to me for the entire fight, Booker T. He had a 5-0 for Israel Adesanya too. So anytime a Hall of Famer agrees with you, kudos to me. Uh, so I had a 5-0 for Izzy, but it was it was it was razor thin. I saw some people say it was 3-2 Izzy. Some people said it was 4-1 Izzy. Uh, I didn't see many people say Robert Whitaker won, but I'm not going to say they're wrong either. It was an incredibly uh, close fight. Uh, I just thought Israel Adesanya won five ten nines. That's that's it. But uh, pretty electric uh, entrances. It's just it was a weird mood. There was a lot of booze for Robert Whitaker at the beginning, and then I want to say by around three or four, they were all chanting Bobby, and then a lot of booze for Israel Adesanya. So just a very, it was a hard audience to gauge. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I don't know if that's because they were exhausted from the co-main event with Tied Tuivas and Derek Lewis, but definitely a unique. It wasn't like the previous Houston cars. I'll tell you that much. But still, still an electric crowd altogether. Sean Adesanya wins 48-47, 48-47, 49-46. Jacob Montalvo and Doug Crosby scored it 1-2-3 and three for Adesanya, 4-5 and five for Whitaker. Mike Beltran, who, like Jacob Montalvo, was refereeing several fights on this card before sitting in the judges' seat for the main event, gave the second round to Robert Whitaker and scored 
the first round and three through five for Israel Adesanya. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious how you scored the bout. I think the judges got it right. I think a lot of us will agree the judges got it right. Was this a 49-46? Was this a 48-47? How did you score it? Yeah, I would agree that the judges, judges got it right in this instance. And, and really quick before we even go into it, I find it weird that Texas, like I know a lot of commissions do this for smaller shows, things like that, making the, the officials work both referee and judging. It's a little strange to have Texas do that on a big show like this. UFC, like there's already a lot of pressure on these guys to be referees. Don't Let's not them make them judges as well. Like, come on, guys. Uh, but that's Texas being Texas. But I agree. I had it three to two for Izzy. Uh, for me, it felt like round one was the was a, obviously a very definitive Izzy Adesanya round. Round five felt like a very clear Robert Whitaker round for me. And then the in-between rounds were, were a lot closer than actually the commentary. It seemed like led, led, led the – you to believe like Michael Bisbing was really on one tonight in favor of Israel Adesanya. I felt like this was a much more competitive fight than I love Mike on the commentary, but, but I felt like this was a much more competitive fight than he was letting on. Uh, but I did give Izzy round two and three. They were, those were very close. And then I gave Robert round four for me. Uh, so it ends up three, two, but ultimately I, I, I think we got the right call to me. It felt like Izzy won the fight. I know Robert feels like he won the fight, and he certainly put up a better showing and better performance than he did uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, there's no doubt there. You, you saw the evolution of his game and how, how much he has worked to really close the gap between these two. But ultimately, Izzy wins this fight, and I think we got it right. Jed, there there was some really an interesting body language coming from Robert Whitaker after that first round, right? He was heading back to the stool already looking like defeated looking psychologically damaged by that first round against him. And then he came out, closed the gap in the second. I thought the third round was better. And then clearly the final 10 minutes of the fight were much better for him. I'm in the, at the end of the day, when this, when this is all said and done, I thought we we're going to see some tomfoolery here with the judging. I thought maybe we'd get a split decision. Ultimately the judges got it right, but Adesanya gave himself a seven out of 10. You agree with that score or do you go a different way? Yeah, sure. Seven out of ten is fine. Um, it's that's a C, and that's probably what Israel Adesanya deserves. You know, uh, MMA Fighting's official scorecard, by the way, is forty-eight forty-seven <laughs> for Adesanya. Um, and I will be honest, that's that's closer to a fifty forty-five than it is to forty-eight forty-seven for Whitaker. Uh, I think Whitaker probably won round four and five, but. I am not married to those ideas. Like if, if you told me like I have absolutely no problem with Jose's uh, full, full card for Izzy. He, I think he just pretty clearly won the fight. So I'm, this is also awesome for me because to me, it was really obvious that, that Izzy won this fight by like a very clear margin. And I thought I was being generous by giving Rob two rounds, but apparently that's other people feel things. I saw on our post, uh, while we were doing the presser, you and you and Casey were doing. I saw a bunch of people voting for Rob, so I was surprised, and I think that that's mostly a narrative thing. Uh, and to some extent, that goes back to Izzy's performance, right? Like I think Izzy Izzy came out strong, and then sort of just kept it in third gear and won a pretty convincing, in my eyes, decision because he didn't have, but he didn't have to try. He didn't get pushed in any real way. He just had to be himself, and then he got to carry the day. So. A C is a fine score for him. Yes, and we thought maybe Dr. Joe Rogan was on to something with an injured right hand. Turns out that was not the case whatsoever, and it is what it is. So, you Jose. Know, really sold on that because he kept throwing <laughs> the right hand. 
So <laughs> it was very strange, just the mere mention of that whole thing. But Jose Robert Whitaker took the loss in stride, handled himself like a champ. Yeah, he thinks he won the fight, but said Adesanya literally won the fight. So he's not going to take anything away from him, things like that. He feels like it's some, he said the words, it, it is inevitable that we will fight a third time. I don't know if we're going to see this fight for a third time. I feel, I still feel that these are the two best middleweights in the world. And maybe someday down the line, we might see it again. But where does Robert Whitaker go from here? Because there are some interesting matchups for him. You could do the Brunson rematch. You could do Marvin Vittori. You could do Sean Strickland. Where does Robert Whitaker go from here? Because it doesn't seem like it seems like he's happy with the performance. He it's it's a bummer that he lost and he's not the champion right now. But he seems happy with the performance and he wants to keep on trucking. I think the I unmuted myself this time. I think the Brunson fight might make a little more sense than the other ones, not because I I want to I want to see that rematch, but Derek Brunson has been pretty vocal all week that this his next fight is probably going to be his last fight of his fight career. I think he even tweeted that like one more fight and I'm out and something like that. So we always talk about how like like the Joe Benavides of the world and now the Robert Whitakers of the world, where they're so clearly the second best fighter in the division that it's hard to feed them contenders because you don't want them just knocking them off. So what other what better fight than to give someone that isn't going to have another fight than Robert Whitaker v. Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson gets a chance to ride out into the sunset uh, avenging a loss, and Robert Whitaker gets to fight a guy that if he beats, uh, he's not in danger of kind of halting his rise up the ranks. So I think that's the fight to make sense. But honestly, if you're going to give me Robert Whitaker versus Paolo Costa, Marvin Torrey, Sean Strickland, I don't particularly care. I'll watch any of those fights because Robert Whitaker is the man when it comes to fist fighting human beings for money. Uh, just happens to be the second best fighter to do it at 185 pounds in the UFC. Sean, one thing I wanted to ask you about is there's all this talk about fighter pay and this whole France and Ghana situation. And it's interesting that Israel kind of brought this up himself at the press conference that the contract, sure, it was about him, but it's his hope that this is a trickle down effect for everybody involved and he even he even mentioned some of the debuting fighters and some of the the, the first level contract fighters that yeah we're not going to make them rich or anything but we want to at least have them in a position where they can make enough money to feed their families and have food and pay for their camps and not have to work two or three jobs do you think that this deal for Adesanya like do you believe him when he says that because Adesanya hasn't really given us any reason to not believe him but do you really think that after seeing him say that and and looking into his eyes and feeling the emotion behind it that there's some truth to this that maybe Adesanya is he could be the the voice for the voiceless so to speak You're asking me if I think Izzy's new contract is going to essentially be trickle down economics to the lower class of UFC fighters not no. today. No, I no. It's not. No, it is, of course not. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to change. It, it is going to make a lot exactly. of money. Exactly, like trickle down economics. It's a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. exactly. Is <laughs> he's going to make his money? Like th- that's no. That's no. Not at all. Not in any regard. So anyway, I want to go back to talking about what Jose was just talking about because I I think that's uh, an interesting conversation of just what happens with Robert Whitaker now because it it is. He is sort of the Max Holloway of this division right now in a really interesting way where I I completely agree with Jose. Like Rob is obviously the second best guy at 185 and and the gap between him and number three might be pretty vast. Like we've seen him beat these guys already, the Jared Cannoneers of the world and such. And Jared's going to get this next title shot. I I mean, hearing Rob in the post fight, 
it, it was interesting hearing him speak the way he did because Mike, you called that quote out of saying, uh, I have it right here. Honestly, a third fight between me and Izzy is inevitable. It's inevitable because I'm going to stop anybody who comes in front of me again. Stop anybody. Like that's not really the language we hear Rob use this like very often. Like I, I, I am interested to see how this division plays out because it does feel like Rob's going to be this guy who's going to be cast now in this Max Holloway role, this Joseph Benavides role, where he's going to get thrown every possible just random contender and he's going to have to put together a really nice streak to make it back. But it seems very conceivable now that he could make it back. I mean, Izzy has talked about potentially doing the 205 thing again at some point. Maybe when Rob does get to that point, Izzy will be at 205 by then, but... I mean, it wouldn't shock me if we end up seeing a third fight a couple years down the line between these two guys. Jed, what fight would happen first? Izzy versus Whitaker three or Izzy versus Hamzat Shamayev one? Oh, for sure. The second one. Izzy Whitaker three is not happening. I mean, I love the optimism. You just got all that pluck about you, Sean, but it's just not. Like, look, he... Robert Whitaker may well challenge for the middleweight title again if Israel Adesanya loses and or leaves to go up to 205. But he now has two, in my eyes, very decisive losses. Apparently not everybody agrees, but this is not a Max Holloway situation where Max needed one, maybe two wins because so many people felt he won the second fight. And even their first fight was very close. He He's not like... Rob is not getting back to a title shot with three wins. Even if he goes out and beats Vittori, Costa, and Strickland, he's just not getting Israel again. Like, there's Israel's not going to do it because it's just, and he even said at the presser, he was not, you know, he said, yeah, sure, maybe, but it was a pat on the back to him or whatever. He's not into that fight and with good reason. Like, why would he be? Even if they are the two best middleweights not competing in the light heavyweight division in Bellator right now in the world. They're not gonna. They're just not gonna run it back. He's gonna have to get at least five wins, and in the time it takes Rob to get five wins, Israel's gonna be gone. Like he's gonna be at two or five by then. So they're just not fighting again, and that's okay. We got one pretty good fight out of it, and one changing of the guard moment out of it. So you know that's better than many not trilogies. What do you many pairs of fights? So yeah, that's not happening. But Shemaev is very possible. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I, I've drummed back in because I thoroughly, thoroughly disagree. I love you, Jed. But, man, if you look at this division right now and the way this division is set up, there just is not a lot of depth at, at middleweight right now. There's, like, not, not a lot of guys that you can really throw out there as potential challengers outside of the the immediate few of, like, a Strickland, like you said, or, or a Cannoneer. Like, at that point, it's diminishing returns pretty hard in this division. And, and Rob's already beaten several of those guys as well. I don't know. It, it feels like there's certainly a path. I know Izzy wouldn't be interested. And again, maybe that's then when he goes to 205 and sort of takes on different challenges. But he does seem like a guy who is interested in doing the Kamaru Usman thing. We're just racking up these title defenses and sort of putting his name amongst the Anderson Silva's, the George St. Pierre's in, 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 in UFC history. There could very, we could very quickly reach a point, depending on how much Rob wants to fight, where he's kind of just the only guy. Like, he's the only guy left. There are a few youngsters coming up in this division, the Andre Muniz's or the Nasruddin Emenovs. I, I can't ever say that guy's name. Uh, there are a couple of them coming up that could be compelling, but for the most part, there's just not a lot there to, in terms of potential challengers for Izzy that we haven't seen outside of the Cannoneers and, you know, the Strickland. Yeah, but that's that's the thing is we're, we've got guys coming up, and I we talked about this on the pre-fight show. 
I think Izzy's done. This is his last year at 185. I think he's at 205 next year. He wants to fight three times. He's got the one under Bob with Bob now. He's going to fight um, uh, Jared Cannonier. Sorry, I was blanking there. In June, he's going to try and run one back late fall or in December over Sean Strickland or whoever. But certainly he won't be fighting Robert Whitaker in December of this year. And then no, you yeah. brought him up. I think Kamaru Usman is one of the big reasons why. I think Izzy gets his three fights that he wants, and then he can move up to light heavyweight because he's friends with Kamaru Usman, who is going to want to move up and get a second belt to cement his legacy, do the same things GSP did, really drill down on that. And so if Izzy moves up to 205, then Usman can come up and fight for the middleweight belt, and it all works in symbiosis. I would I would be, frankly, really shocked if Israel Adesanya is still defending his middleweight title in 2023. And so I just don't see a path for Rob to get, get another crack at him. Well, time will tell. We'll see what happens. Maybe things, you know, this is MMA and, and weird things happen. So, Jose, I want to let you go in, in a moment, but I want to ask you one more question. I think it's a question that everybody sort of wants to know after this night so make sure you're unmuted because this is a very important question especially after what we've experienced over the last two hours what is booker t like in real person <laughs> oh. like being around him what what is what, what is he like I, he might have stolen the entire show this weekend the dude wears more jewelry than any other human being i've ever met in my entire life um it was fair like i sat down next to oscar for the main event and then i just looked to my left i'm like that Booker T, and he just looks at me. He's like, he's like, "What's up, man?" And then he just like fist bumped me, and I was like, "It's a lot of jewelry, my guy." Like he was wearing like every Hall of Fame ring he's ever had on one hand. Uh, and then I mean, even if you like, he asked Dustin Poirier questions. I don't think Dustin Poirier knew who he was, and I don't think Dana White knew who he was, uh, and Robert Whitaker maybe, but obviously Israel Adesanya knew who he was. But yeah, super interesting cat, and is apparently a really big fight fan. You know, I was also we got to interview Trey the Truth. Uh, Houston Icon, where technically I interviewed Trey the Truth and several other media members <laughs> happened to be there recording it at the same time. Uh, no comment on that. But yeah, it was it was very it was it was a very interesting night of fights for guest fighters and uh, c- celebrity individuals here. Couldn't find yes, Carlos Correa defend. though. That cl- clown. <laughs> well, you, did a, <laughs> you did a fantastic job, my man. So head on out, get some rest. Safe travels back to Arizona, my man, and we appreciate you jumping on uh, after a long day at the office. Much appreciated, my man. Oslo, <sighs> gents. Have fun wrapping up this post show. Say all, only say positive things about Roxy. Of Always. course, we will certainly talk about Roxy. That number two spot is about to be filled, by the way, by a by a very special guest, a a very positive presence, if you will. I don't know if that gives it away, but. Is it Roxy? We shall see. I, oh, how amazing would that be? This would be the greatest post-fight show in the history of MMA if we get Roxy up in here. But congratulations to Roxy, by the way. We'll talk about her a little bit more. But The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We got to talk about Tai Tuivasa, Sean Alshadi, because I was, you know what? I'm just going to say this. You two both owe me an apology. You two both owe me an apology. <laughs> because first of all, I picked I picked Robert Whitaker. You guys were like, wow. But none of you really chastised me for it. When I picked Tai Tuivasa, you both chastised me. You both made me feel silly. You made me feel this big. But now I feel like I'm eight feet tall, Jed Mishu. I feel like a giant after the way that fight ended. What a victory for Tai Tuivasa. He gets it done. Dude just knocking out everybody. That elbow from hell sent Derek Lewis unconscious. Crazy moment, crazy fight. First your apology and then your reaction to the finish and what Tai Tuivasa has been able to put together over these last few fights. I give you no apology. <laughs> um, I I stand by everything I said. I was just wrong. Like sometimes I'm wrong, <laughs> but I was I was right in most of the process. I was just wrong in the outcome because I said, I was like, well, you know, there's a world where Ty can win this, but he's not great defensively. And at some point he's going to get hit by Derek Lewis and he's going to fall over and die. And he did. He got hit by Derek Lewis a lot, but he just didn't fall over and die, Um, which is not, I mean, dude, Greg Hardy buzzed him and Derek Lewis hits a lot harder than Greg Hardy. Like I did not at all see this coming and nothing but props and respect to Tai Tuivasa. Like he, he came to, to do exactly the thing he said. He's going to come and swang and bang and he did it and he won the swanging and the banging, which let, let's be honest. You, you, you want an apology for me, Mike, be honest. If I told you what that fight was going to look like, would you have been like, yeah, Tai Tuivasa is going to win? He's going to go in the middle and brawl and eat a bunch of lunch boxes from Derek Lewis. Would you have been like, oh, yeah, that's a fight. Tai wins. Like, no, okay, he's going to die. So you would have told me that Derek Lewis would have landed a record-setting two takedowns in one round and then landed those lunch boxes? Because that's yeah. what happened. You would have yeah. predicted takedowns and ground and pound. No, I'm saying if I told you that that was what happened, would you have been like, yeah, Tai's going to win this fight? <laughs> I still, uh, I don't know, probably There's not. No but remember, I remember what I said. I thought takedown, Ty was dead. Like, I was like, oh, <laughs> I can think of very few places I'd like to be less than underneath Derek Lewis 
swinging them hands. Like that's just not a place I want to live. But Tai Tuivasa, and he didn't get up safe either. It's not like he protect. He got up and just started chucking them back. It was awesome. <laughs> Tai Tuivasa's the man. But I just had no belief his chin could do that, and it did. So yeah. nothing but props to that dude, man. Hey, my 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 point was. 99 times out of 100, I'm picking Derek Lewis in that situation when asked, but considered this time 100. The Houston factor was a concern, and I think Ty Tuivasa is being a little undervalued. I said that plus 160 looked delicious, and it was yummy. And if you followed my lead, if you piggybacked upon me, you're eating prime rib tomorrow during the Super Bowl, and you're welcome. Sean, your thoughts on Bam Bam's performance and what he was able to do tonight, and because that was amazing. Just tremendous stuff. I mean, I will say, man, I, I you you called this one and you almost called the Whitaker one. And part of me actually wanted Rob to win that just so you could come on to this post fight show and just go pure stone cold and just really put it <laughs> in our faces. How absolutely wrong all of us were. And you were you were correct. I would have I would have really loved that and appreciated it. Uh, but no, man, I mean, how can you not love what's going on here? I mean, this is just crazy at this point, right? Like this is a guy tied to Ivasa who two years ago. He's at this time, literally two years ago, he is in the midst of a three fight slump. He's losing, you know, all these fights now. He was, he was, it seemed like he was a guy who was pushed too hard, too fast, and it kind of derailed his career. And all of a sudden you wake up and he's a winner of five straight now. He is the life of the party at heavyweight. Like he is just the party at heavyweight. He, he the post fight like procession of, of shoeys that he now does after a win, just walking backstage, like that's become an event unto itself. And it's just, it's incredible, man. Like you, you absolutely have to absolutely love this. I mean, this is just why this game is so much fun is these kind of guys who are able to sort of revive their careers out of nowhere. And all of a sudden now we wake up tomorrow. Taito Ivasa is a top five heavyweight. He's a top three heavyweight, maybe depending on how you want to do your rankings. Like that's crazy, man. That's crazy. I, I doubt few of us would have called that as, as recent, as a year ago uh and so i i agree 100 with what jed was saying too i mean the most impressive part of this to me tonight was the shots that ty was taking because Derek lewis has made a career of just like his career is lined with the bones of these fallen peripheral up-and-comer contenders who dared to swing and bang with this guy and he and Ty Tuivasa went in there and did exactly that and somehow survived. And he ate some shots. Like he ate some monster shots that would have just killed any normal human being and would have deaded a lot of different heavyweights in this division. And he just popped right back up and was just throwing them in his face. Like that was absolutely crazy to watch. It was a ton of fun. And I am just so in love right now with where this heavyweight division is. It feels so much fun. It feels like anything is possible on any given night right now. There's a lot of just interesting names, a lot of interesting storylines. And again, when Tai Tuivasa is all of a sudden in this conversation now, because he's really, he is in this conversation. He's like one fight away from an actual title shot now. It's it's a ton of fun. I absolutely love how this is all going. I think fun is <laughs> I think fun's like actually the perfect word to describe this division right now. It's just a lot of fun. And Tai Tuivasa is a is is a very interesting piece of this mixing of the martial arts. As we welcome in the Prince of Positivity himself, Alexander Kaylee. I didn't I don't demand an apology from you, AK. You just didn't believe me when I said Tai Tuivasa was gonna win this fight, but you didn't chastise what, me for it. When did I say that? that? Did I even say huh? that? Did I even say that? You just didn't believe me. Who did you? You picked Derek Lewis. You didn't believe me. That doesn't mean I, you didn't, mean I didn't believe you. That just means I thought that Derek Lewis would win. That doesn't mean I didn't think Taito Vasa had a chance. That's not the same thing. 
No, you just didn't believe me. It's okay. It's all right. We're all good. Don't worry about that. But we I want I just want to talk to you. I want to talk That's I want to get your thoughts on the performance and also this is a big topic during the pre-fight Q&A. The the walkout music, the selection yes. from Ty Tuivasa. What did you think? Someone nailed it. I, I'm sorry, guys. I haven't been on the whole show. Did anyone in the comments, the, the, someone on the pre-fight Q&A when we were discussing what would Ty Tuivasa walk out to, a bunch of songs got thrown out. And I distinctly remember someone saying, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. And I was going to comment on it. I wish I had now. So uh, mystery person, if you're if you're out there, please claim your uh, claim your prize. Your, uh, ought no, we'll give them a not no point maybe, Mike. Uh, I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's official. Uh, again, that's, that's worth like... Yes, uh, on to the next one point is worth something like 6,000 Ethereum now, I think, on the current market. I don't know. It's way up there. It's, it's crazy. So, But yeah, someone called it. So great job there. There's a lot of, of other good suggestions. I can't remember what I said. I said uh, – I keep I keep saying Carly Rae Jepsen. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. He's more of a 90s guy. So yeah, the walkout was on point. The post-fight shoey was good except for the guy who did it with him who was rightfully called out. Uh, I do believe uh, – it looked like a pre-planned thing, some sort of sponsorship maybe even. It was like a cut, two custom shoey shoes. Uh, one of them said drink. One of them said West. So I don't know if that means something as a brand or something. Uh, and that guy might have been a friend of Tuivasa. It looked like he uh, he sought that guy out specifically. But you guys can see the clip that's out there. Tuivasa, of course, guzzling his shoey like a champ. The other guy doing it like I would because I don't drink alcohol. Just letting probably 95% of the alcohol just spill out of his mouth. Um, I, two people were not impressed, did not seem to be impressed with that. But uh, Tai Tuivasa himself was very impressive. I kind of agree with what Jed was saying, that if you had told me he was going to go in there and eat friggin' bombs from Derek Lewis and somehow come out with a win, I would have said, you're crazy. I know he's a young man, one of the few heavyweights uh, contenders under the age of 30, so he does have a young chin, but still, he, he was eating clean, clean, clean shots. So um, he is tough as hell. Uh, great defense, great, uh, great poise, gr uh, great ability to sort of recover from those shots. And when he got going, when he finally got that final flurry going, I mean, it was the elbow that put him away. He landed like maybe two or three bombs of his own before that. And then that uh, that finishing elbow was just right on the button. And, you know, it's not like Lewis can't be knocked out. We have seen him lose by knockout before. But that, even taking that into account, that that was stunning. An amazing performance by Taito Ivasa, who uh, is really going to shake up our rankings. I think number number 14 in our rankings uh and uh Derek Lewis really was number four number five so tied to Ivasa he's a top five heavyweight it looks like how about that how much fun is this division right now it's really fun I, I enjoy it for Jed what, what does this look what does this look on your face tied to Ivasa is a top five heavyweight that is a true statement and speaks volumes <laughs> God, you're such a hater, dude. Jeez, I, man. No, Have some fun with it. Come on, man. A fan, but like, come you on. are such a hater. Gosh. I don't think it's hating to be like, I really enjoy Tai Tuivasa, but the fact that he is a top five heavyweight speaks, speaks some things about that division. <laughs> And the maybe I'm wrong, and that dude's gonna come out, and he's gonna be our new heavyweight champion. He has a chance now, but I suspect he's probably just gonna get tackled by Curtis Blades or Steve Miocic, <laughs> and sat on for 25 minutes, and we're all gonna not have fun anymore. That's how the world works. And see, this is the reason why this is the perfect co-main event. Because while it, it it hurt our feelings to see Derek Lewis lose. It doesn't really hurt him that much because you're just going to throw him in another fight and we're going to be so excited about it. 
Just don't do it in Houston, UFC. Yeah, no, no more. No more. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's give this guy a break from the Houston. Let's let him not have a home game for once. It seems like he doesn't enjoy Send it. him to London. Send him to yes. London or some Please. other country at this point and let him fight as far away from Houston as possible. <laughs> One, we should definitely do that because Derek Lewis in London is just a fun thing to visualize. But you got to give him one more fight in Houston. It just has to be against Jared Vandera or like some dude that he is going to clobber so you can Greg get Hardy. that big win energy. Like I want him to have that moment in H-Town as opposed to just being sad and defeated because <laughs> it's pretty tough. I agree with you. So that was a great win for Tai Tuivasa. Derek Brunson, tough, great start for Derek Brunson. It unfortunately, Jared Cannonier just got cooking in that second round. That was a violent finish. Earned him fifty thousand dollar bonus. Earned him a future date with Israel Adesanya. Which, if Adesanya has his druthers, this fight's going to happen early summertime, maybe as early as June. So, great win for Cannonier. Hanato Moicano, tremendous win for him on the main card. I know a lot of people in Twitter land were very excited to see Alexander Hernandez lose. You are. I mean, that's just how it is. And then Bobby Green, Nazareth Hackparast. Good way to start the night. Bobby Green looked fantastic. He continues to win. Uh, the other bonuses went to uh, Douglas Silva, Dandraj versus Sergey Morozov. Uh, they got the fight of the night, which I thought was a really good call. I thought there was a very good chance that they'd give it to Roxanne Modafari versus Casey O'Neill, but they did not do that. And just a great night. Taito Ivasa got the other bonus as well. Much deserved. So, Sean, I'm going to go to you. Roxanne Modafferi, we just saw the final 15 minutes of her fighting career. We didn't get to see her walk out on television, which is absolute travesty, but it is what it is. She came out. She did her thing. She had a super fun fight with Casey O'Neill. I cannot believe it was a split decision. No disrespect to Roxy, but we got ourselves a splitty. But what did you think of the fight? I thought the fight absolutely ruled. It was a really great fight. Her stock went up even in the loss. Casey O'Neill got tested in the right way. This is a perfect piece of matchmaking. This went about as well as it could have, did it not? Yeah, I mean, I, I well, we can talk about that split decision in a second because I definitely got thoughts on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, man, this was this was the way you kind of like if she wasn't going to win, and this was a really hard matchup for her. I mean, everybody knew it coming in, sort of what the the game was for this and what the the matchmaking play the UFC was trying to do here. But I mean, this was pure Roxy, man. This was why this is why she was so beloved. She the whole way through fifteen minutes, she tested someone who was probably. If we're being honest, a future title contender, contender, a future title challenger in this division. And she tested her for 15 minutes. She didn't stop moving forward. She never quit. It was all heart all the way through. And it's just, it, again, th- that is who Roxy has been this whole time. 20 years of just taking on all comers, never complaining, never turning down a fight, always being willing to fight anybody at any time uh, since the very, very beginning of women's MMA. I mean, that's who Roxanne Montefiore is, and that's who she was in the beginning, and that's how she came at, went out at the end. Uh, and you saw even in her post-fight interview, post in, in her post-fight press conference, she was just proud of her performance. She was happy to have gone in there and sh- shown that she's improved and that she's you know the martial artist that she feels like she is and, it, and she's not wrong man she has improved like the the late evolution of roxanne Montefiore is one of the coolest sport like just little side stories that we've seen over the last couple of years because truly the last like five years of roxanne Montefiore were the best she had ever looked and it's rare you see fighters that at her age continue to evolve and continue to get better like that so it was it was a great in my in my opinion it was a very fitting way for for roxanne to go out uh, but man, that uh, that scorecard. 
let's talk about Robert Alexander here for a second, because good Lord, that man had an all time stinker of a night. Like that dude needs to take a bow because I know when we go to Texas, the judging and the officials are always just, it's a roller coaster. You're, you're, you're signing up for it when you're going to Texas, but that dude might've had one of the worst hours of judging I have ever seen in my life because in back-to-back fights, he gave Roxanne Monteferri the score over Casey O'Neill. And then he gave uh, Jared Vandera the score over Andre Oblosky and both of which were absolutely atrocious. I mean, if you look on MMA decisions, I think both fights were pretty unanimous, 30-27s, or the Alaski one was maybe 29-28s. But regardless, there was no justification for any of that. And I just love how none of it really matters because we're not going to get a chance to have – there's going to be no recourse for obvious ineptitude. There's going to be no opportunity to get this guy to explain uh, how he came to these decisions. It's all It's all just very silly. Uh, and apparently this guy's a rocket scientist, so that shows you that even a rocket scientist can't figure out how to how to judge MMA fights. If you can't crack the, that riddle, if that guy can't crack it, nobody's can. Uh, it's just ridiculous that we have to deal with this every every time we go to Texas, and we know it, and like we have to we call it ahead of time. It's so silly. Yeah, I, that's why I was extremely worried about the main events that something fishy was going to go on. But luckily, we we didn't get anything crazy like that. What did you think of the scoring, Jed? For that fight and, and just Roxy's performance overall. I mean, Casey O'Neill and, and and I'm I'm kind of I kind of agree with her in a way that it's it was probably kind of annoying for her to be just the fighter that is fighting Roxanne Modafferi in her final fight. Like I, I could understand the annoyance and how she feels about that. Like I mean, just as a fighter, as somebody on the come up, I get it. I think she understands it a little more now, now that the retirement is actually here and she got to see it and she got to share the cage in that moment with her. But your thoughts on the fight, what Roxanne sort of left in Houston tonight and just the, the, the scoring and all of it. I'm not going to spend any time talking about Casey O'Neill and her predicament. Uh, I'm disappointed. I'm extremely disappointed in my colleague, Sean Alshadi for believing that the problem here was Judge Robert Alexander. The problem was Judges Ivan Guzman and Kerry Hatley, who also did double duty and refed some fight in there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, at least one, maybe not more. Because you nailed it, Sean. You were dead right. There is no recourse. No one's going to have to explain their scorecards. Nothing will happen. And if either... Guzman or Hatley had any sense of pride or fun or whimsy or respect for what Roxanne Modafferi has done for this sport, they would have given her a garbage decision to walk out on. Because why not? What is lost by giving Roxanne Modafferi a bad split decision win? Like, as far as I'm concerned... Alexander is the only person who looked at that correctly and was like, I know that this is bad, but I'm just going to do it and let's see what happens. (laughs) Maybe one of these other two people will also do it. And then we've had some fun here, haven't we? This is kind of a feel-good story. And who really cares if Casey O'Neill gets gets an L on her record? Sure, she'll care because she'll only get, you know, half the money she's expecting. And that'll be unfortunate for her. But in the long term, that's not going <laughs> to set back her career. That's just going to set back her bills for a few months. Whereas the rest of us can feel warm and happy inside. Because Roxanne Modafferi, who, by the way, has come up on the wrong end of some tough decisions over her career, finally gets a bad decision in her favor in a moment where it means a lot like come on that 
I this is why no one will ever let me judge because I would have one hundred percent made scored that thirty twenty four for Roxanne and shamelessly <laughs> done it. You yeah, and me. Yeah, listen and listen. Uh, you know, Jed, you're right, and clearly they don't care about uh, Casey O'Neill's career either because we always say that fighters, you know, learn more from their losses than their than their uh, victories. This could have been a huge. This could have been huge for a career. If she had lost to a veteran like Roxanne Modafferi, I mean, that's just going to put her down the championship path. Plus, she wouldn't have gotten booed after. That's really the judge's fault, not not Casey O'Neill's fault. You know, uh, uh, she put on a great effort, and she would have instead been cheered. And fans are like, "Man, how did how did Casey O'Neill lose this? Like, she got screwed." Uh, applause for Casey O'Neill instead. So, Jen, and, you're on the right track, really. Yeah. And Casey O'Neill would have learned an even more valuable lesson that that we try and tell people all the time. You can't leave it in the hands of the judges. So we may have just derailed Casey O'Neill from being a future Uh, dominant finishing champion mm. because we instilled in her that she can leave it to the hands of the judges because even the judges in Texas won't do the right thing and give that fight to Roxanne Modafferi. A bad thing happened tonight, and I'm ashamed that Sean Alshadi does not recognize that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This This was a travesty. This was a travesty. That was a tremendous speech. That was a tremendous speech. Sean, your response to what just happened here, because I mean, I'm just jealous of that energy. That dude is on like 3.15 a.m. time right now, and I can't to be able to pull something out like that at 3.15. That's impressive. Give me whatever you're having right now. Jesus. Yeah, we got to get an energy drink sponsorship over here at MMAfighting.com. So pretty, pretty solid night of fights. Your BTL champ, Jen Mishu. There you that's go. You Even hold, though he doesn't. That's how you hold that title down, baby. Absolutely. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to the peeps. Let's take a few questions from the peeps before we get on out of here. Some different stuff, some fun stuff. All right, let's do the peeps, do the peeps. Uh, <clears throat> who we got here? Shout out Andre Lofsky. The man just keeps winning fights. Kyler Phillips, tremendous performance tonight. Dude. He looked outstanding. Andre Lofsky, man, has I didn't even realize this dude has won five of his last six, and man. it's literally 22 years since he was UFC debut. Like 22 years when he started in MMA, like I think the Gore Bush thing was still started, going on. Like he the, started the, the, in '99. Yeah, he like the, the '99. He, he like Y2K was getting talked about when this dude was like starting his MMA career, and he is still winning five of six fights at age 43. Like I don't. This is crazy. We man. made a huge deal about Roxy being a legend and a pioneer because she is. He was fighting for four years before she ever stepped in the cage, and he's still going and probably is going to be going for another 12. This dude's the man. He is the greatest heavyweight of all time, and I actually am starting to believe that that is the case based purely on longevity. All right, so he has uh, – this was his 37th 
His 37th uh, UFC appearance, which is the most obviously heavyweight record, uh, 22 and 14 now, one no contest, uh, second most UFC appearance overall behind Cerrone and Jim Miller. He still he hasn't had a finish since May 2015 and is somehow still tied for the fourth most uh, UFC heavyweight knockouts. It, it, what a bizarre he's and uh, now he's now 12 and 10. Uh, this is his second run with the UFC. He's now 12 and 10 with the with the one no contest. So what a bizarre people with more fights. None of them are like uh, they've all got to be like featherweights, too. Like he's the only person above like 170 that's fought 30 times. Like he's he's oh in the UFC. No, it's just with Cerrone and Miller. Yeah, it's Cerrone and Miller. No, but like even the other people like the below him on the list, the next few people, they can't be heavyweights or even light heavyweights. (laughs) Nobody's doing it. It's just like lightweights. Frank Mir might have been up there. Probably not 30 though. I don't think he hit 30. But yeah, I see your yes, I see your point. Arlovsky's the man. The the question is, can he get a top? Could he get a top 10 next when we see him compete? next. Oh, no, please no. Don't do that. Yes, yes. Let's Dude, not they do gave, that. They gave him to freaking Francis when Francis was coming up. Like, they're going to give him Derek Lewis. I mean, he's kind of earned a, a, a top 10 fight at this point, which is very he bizarre has. and, and while, crazy to say. And while Derek Lewis will probably knock him out in a horrifying fashion – it's not inconceivable that Andre could do his weird, like, stick and move on the outside and just kind of kick Derek's legs for a while and and win a, a really awkward decision. Like, that's in play, even if it's not likely. Unfortunately, I'm, I, I've, we're not going to get the chance to match make for him on, on to the next one. I'm not going to pick him as a wild card. I'm going with the same matchup I've been trying, I, I've been saying for the last year. Romanov, you got to give him Romanov. That's the fight. Mm. It's a sucky fight. It hurts my feelings to say it out loud, but that's the fight. That's the matchup. Uh, that's all he gets, I mean, that's all he gets thrown uh, into is sucky fights. Like he's not. He's, he's not getting gimmies. That's not give a fight. But he's not getting gimmies at any point during this. They're like they're just kind of just throwing him to whoever wants to fight Andre Alaski at this point. Like, and that's what it's been going on for the past like several years. It's it's Man. utterly crazy for a guy who was getting told to retire like a decade ago. I'm putting uh, Mike, him it's in just my rankings this this month. By the way, guys, he's for sure. <laughs> Do it. We almost had Fedor in there. And like, are people going to tell me that Fedor's recent success is, is better than. No, and I think that was deserved. But it's like, is his is it better than what Arlovsky has done in the UFC? I don't know. Like, I think it's comparable. I think if you're going to vote for Fedor, I think you could certainly make a vote for Arlovsky. Uh, Mike, we had someone tag both of us on Twitter, uh, our pal Reno, a friend of uh, the On to the Next One show. And he said, Andre Arlovsky versus Walt Harris. This would be a rematch, of course. Uh, the first fight, I mean, it wasn't like the greatest fight. It was a split decision, close fight. Uh, and it was later overturned. It actually became, actually became a no contest. And it was quite a while ago. It was like three or four years ago now. So that's actually not a bad – we're always trying to find the right matchup for Walt Harris too. Maybe that's the one. Maybe you give him the Arlosky rematch. God, no. Wouldn't hate it. I don't hate it. Obviously, you didn't watch the first one. That fight was not it, something you needed was not good. the second time. I mean, is any Arlovsky fight at this yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what are we doing? Was any, you know? Look, the Vanderoff fight was honestly way more entertaining than I expected it, it to be. I'm fine. not saying it was good, but it was much better than I thought it was going to be. It was fine. <laughs> it wasn't good, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. I had to lower Andre Arlovsky. <laughs> right. What else we got? 
Uh, Joseph Boza, what are the panel's thoughts of Douglas Silva de Andrade versus Sergey Morozov getting fight of the night? That was on the early fight pass prelims. Normally, early prelims on fight pass don't get bonuses. So, yeah, that was an interesting choice. There's, there, I mean, you could have gone Lewis to Ivasa. You could have gone. You could have gone a number of different ways with this, Sean. But I, did, did the UFC get did the UFC get this one right? Because I have no issue with this selection for fight of the night. The only other way I would have gone was just just out of pure joy and positivity. We give it to Roxy and Casey because that was a fun fight. But other than that, this was probably the best fight of the night, was it not? Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to give it to Ty and Derek, this is certainly a, the second best thing you could do. I mean, probably, I mean, this was the most complete fight of the card, right? Like it was a night, it was a crazy comeback. There was different elements in it, whereas Ty Tuivas and Derek was just more of a brawl. Uh, I, I, I certainly don't mind it. And also, I mean, if you watch Douglas uh, Silva de Andrade's post-fight interview, like his, his, with the media, his scrum, seemed like he a bonus was really really important to him in his life and sort of where he is at right now he's talking about needed to get his mom a new wheelchair and all sorts of things and he was actually very emotional he was crying during during a part of it so i mean if that if they're going to give it to that guy i'm not going to complain about it that guy again he, he definitely felt like he needed the money so it's good money to give to him yeah great fight jed sure uh i have no issues with it i think the actual best fight on the card was to Vasa Lewis. I think that had the most swings. It was back and forth, whereas the uh, uh, Silva Dandraj Morozgov was a it was a one and then a two. One, one guy was winning and then the other guy won. It was just it was just a comeback, uh, which is still fun and entertaining. Uh, I would probably put it because it was so it was such a binary. I would actually probably put it behind Motiferio O'Neill because that that they they got after it you know for 15 minutes uh and i think that that was i think that's probably a more entertaining fight on the whole to me but i think lewis uh Vasa was pretty clearly the best fight but they already are making a lot more money and they're getting you know Tuivasa's getting that that extra bonus so i got no problems with with giving giving a man who could use 50k 50k ak Bantamweights, right? I was going to say, I'm, listen, I'm never going to complain about bantamweights uh, getting getting more money, getting their due. Uh, we had three bantamweight fights today, and, and they all delivered in different ways. I mean, uh, the Ronnie Lawrence one was obviously more of a dominant performance for uh, for Ronnie Lawrence. Oh, actually, that's not true. Uh, Mana came back in the, in the third round. So, he, he tried great fight, yeah, sure. yeah, we almost, that's actually, that was a great fight. Uh, and then, uh, sorry, Collar Phillips, I was just saying, sorry, it was more, more, more one-sided. I'm going to the Rojo very very tough, but I mean that was Carla Phillips all the way, and then uh, he just finished with an amazing triangle armbar. Uh, and yeah, and DeAndre, I look, I, I'm so high on Morozov. I was a little bit sad to see him lose. He looked great in the first round. I thought he was kind of living up to all this pre-fight hype I had. But uh, Douglas Silva, DeAndre, just so tough. He's what now, like 23 and four or something like that. Like the guy is just really freaking good. And I keep saying Morozov's faced nothing but killers. So this doesn't, this doesn't like take. I still, for me, I still think Morozov has a run ahead of him. He's one and two now, so we'll see how much uh, you know uh, rope the UFC gives him. I hope I hope a little more. I think you give him the right matchups. I really do think he's a, he's a top guy. But uh, for me, it would have been the the co-main event. I just thought it was just so much dumb fun, and again, lasted much longer than you'd expect uh, with someone taking that kind of damage from uh, from Derek Lewis. But yeah, for me, the most fun fight. I would love to give a fight of the night. Yes, they they already uh, are up there in the in the tax bracket. But if I'm just being if I'm ignoring that aspect, what was the fight I enjoyed the most? Tuivasa and, and Derek Lewis. Thank you, Joseph. They mixed the martial arts too. There was wrestling. What just they mixed the mar- Some people don't like when they mix the martial arts, Jay, but we're fans of that around here. We like when the martial arts are mixed. That's how they should be. 
uh, Takira Man 91, where does this fight rank amongst oh. Adesanya title defenses? And That's what is Adesanya's best win? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Paulo Costa whitewash. Yeah. I don't know how you top that one. I mean, that is, oh. that's one of the all time, that's one of the all time greats right there. Nah, his, his Whitaker and Costa. For sure, Whitaker won. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a, well, this says defense. This says defense, right? This says, oh, no. Yeah. This says specifically defense. Best win. Best win. No. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Low key, like, is for sure the Whitaker. For also, if you're yes. apparently if you're Israel Adesanya, uh, he believes that his first fight with Robert Whitaker was a title defense. He is stone wrong, but <laughs> he got very yeah. upset at the post fight press conference because he doesn't know what the word interim means. But yeah, that's for sure his best win. <laughs> it's one of the best defense, sure, Costa. It's kind of weird, actually, when you look at Izzy's title defenses on a whole, because like I feel like we look at Izzy and we we think of Izzy as you know this really fun fighter who's going to constantly put on really fun fights. But if you actually look at his four title defenses, only one of them is like a really like a performance you would want to go back and rewatch. The rest are kind of just you know hit or miss. Like you had the Yoel Romero one, Marvin Vittori was okay. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's rewatching that. And then the, the tonight, Robert Whitaker, like it was fine. I'm not complaining about it, but like outside of the Costa one, there's not like this standout title defense. It's a very, uh, I, I, I don't think you would think that just naturally. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's you mean in terms of dominance? You mean like dominance? Like as far as like. Well, I mean, he's, he's certainly dominant yeah, but, in all of these yeah. fights, but I just mean like in terms of highlight, the highlight reel. Like a lot of the highlight reel stuff was pre title reign. Honestly, though, yeah. if you go back and look, like Izzy's just tricky like that because his pre title reign highlights are pick and choose. Like that first fight with Vittori is not a bad fight but it's split decision it's not great brad tavares was a fine fight but it's not like you're super stoked on that you know the brunson ko is great anderson silva i know that fight one fight and i i remember that card sucking and that fight not being good but people just thought it was good because it was cool and izzy did the matrix it was, sway that one time it was fancy. there was some one. posing yeah yeah that fight mostly just sucked but it was fight of the night because the rest of that card was garbage so like he kind of just does this. Izzy's like Anderson Silva. Izzy is really his level of excitement he can generate is very largely dependent on what his opponent is doing. Because like yeah. we saw that today, like yeah. Robert Whitaker. I'm not. I'm not trying to bag on, on Bobby Knuckles because I respect the hell out of him. I think he's the second best middleweight in the UFC. He he fought close to a perfect fight, and in so doing, and he didn't even come close to winning in my account, and. What that means for him to fight a perfect fight is to absolutely not engage with Israel Adesanya at any point in time because doing so is playing with fire. And so that's why this fight wasn't that exciting. And that's just sort of how Izzy works. If you want to play that game, he will stone you to death like he did with Bobby Knuckles the first time. But if you're going to not do that, he is content to sit in third gear and coast to a win because that and that's what he did like he he didn't really try and get robert out of there tonight he didn't turn up the volume he had a comfortable lead and he wrote it uh and that's just kind of what you get i think we're going to see some bad title defenses out of him depending on how people approach fighting him I, I i still think there's a case to be made that this is i agree obviously the paulo costa one i mean the the build up to it his actual performance his shenanigans after mileage may vary. Uh, so that was obviously great. And, and it makes for a great highlight real clip for sure. Especially we're just talking about his, his, his title defenses, but I do think you can make an argument qualitatively that this one was better because 
because Whitaker obviously is a I would think we would all rank him higher than Paulo Costa. We all think he'd probably beat Paulo Costa in a fight. He is the the second best middleweight in the world. And I think this was if not the best version of Whitaker we've ever seen, it, it's up there. I mean, like we said, he he <laughs> like said Jeff uh Jeff. Like you said, Jeff. Like you said, Jed. Uh, <laughs> this is this is uh, he he fought the way he had to to have a chance against uh, Adesanya. It was not exciting at times. I understand it, but it was again the most effective strategy you could have. He at least on two of the judges' scorecards took two of the three rounds. It was a super competitive fight, and and I think Adesanya also had to be at his best to deal with this version of Whitaker. Um, it just happens to be that his best is so effective um, that it can make other people like look not as good, but. As far as like like the toughest opponent he's faced and like the best he's had to be, I think you can make a case for tonight. I don't know how many people will want to go back and rewatch this fight, but there's definitely moments of it that can be like studied and that show. Um, I think the greatness of both fighters. Yeah, strength of schedule wise, this probably was number one. If we're being if honest, if we're looking for his best defense, it's for sure this fight. Like I. I honestly think that this is one of those fights where the people who go back and watch it are going to be like, oh, that wasn't close at all. Like, mm. it's, I think Robert Whitaker did a really great job of almost smoke and mirroring his way to effectiveness, but he he had nothing. I, when I was watching it, maybe this is blinders. Like, I'm willing to admit, hand up, but I thought the first three rounds, it, it was very obvious that Israel was ahead. And when he figured out that he could double jab his way inside, Whitaker had more success. But, man, I thought he was behind from Jump Street, and he just looked awful to me mostly. I have this next right. – this is a comment, but um, I think it's an interesting comment. I want to know what you guys think. Oasis, man. Izzy won. Granted, it was a John Jones-type win, barely getting by, but Rob mm. never had Izzy in trouble at any time. A John Jones-type win. How about that? Oh, I mean, man. listen, some, yeah. sometimes that's He's what you got to do. I mean, yeah. I think... Oh, remember, remember the reaction after the Yoel Romero win? Remember that reaction? He's a boring fighter. There was, I mean, it was like... It was a negativity bombs drop exactly negativity bombs dropping on izzy we don't really hear that that much coming out of these last two wins do we i think people are just they're okay with it because they're just they like him you know what i mean it it just seemed like we're in a different place because that romero one was pretty bad but these last couple not really the most exciting win sean so are people just just we just get izzy more like we're cool with it just because you know the the build to the fight, the post fight con like comments, those are exciting. That's the star in him, and maybe we're starting to understand the chess match nature of what it takes to fight a guy like Adesanya. Well, I, if you're talking about the Romero one, I think I feel like that was a special kind of weird and a special kind of bad, right? Because it was it was it was not it's not really comparable to tonight. Because I felt like tonight there was there was constantly something happening. Somebody was always trying to make something happen, and it was a, it was a chess match. Obviously, it was a very technical fight, but it wasn't two guys just kind of standing there making faces at each other, which is what the Romero one was for for very long stretches. That one, and maybe a leg kick thrown in here or there. Like that was just if you go back and rewatch that fight, that's like a top ten, just very very weird fight to rewatch. The Vittori one was, I think, more similar to to this tonight, where it's just you know. 
Izzy's winning and Izzy's doing exactly what he needs to do to win. And it's maybe not the most exciting thing, but it is just effective and efficient for the most part. Uh, and, and Robert was much more competitive tonight than, than Marvin ever was. But I think it is there's an element of people sort of understand now what they're going to get with Izzy. Uh, and also people just generally like and appreciate Izzy as a personality and as someone in this game was just very interesting and very compelling to watch regardless of what he's doing. Uh, but certainly, I, I, I mean, the Romero one is just a, a very, very odd bookmark in history to go back and revisit always go ahead jed just just go oh well i think i think we're wrong i think people don't appreciate this win and like jose said it i wish we could talk to him again but he said that like apparently the crowd started getting pretty pro robert whitaker as the fight went on and booing izzy as it in the later rounds because of his effectiveness i think or lack of effectiveness uh i think Pretty clearly, there's a difference between this and Romero, and Sean was correct. Uh, the Romero right. fight was just awful for Mizzy. Like, he he threw 40, like, five strikes in that whole fight, which was by far his lowest, like, ever in, uh, outside of fights where he got KO wins, whereas in this one, he probably threw 100 or something like that. Like, I, I'm not looking at the numbers, but he was up there. He, he was at least active. 170. 170. But yeah, like, the, yeah, the Romero fight was just... It was honestly one of the best game plans I've ever seen from Yoel Romero, and nobody appreciates just how amazing that that was from him, but we don't need to go there. Uh, But yeah, I don't think people liked this fight, and I think we may be in a little bit of a bubble as far as respecting it, because everyone here really respects Robert Whitaker, but based on what Jose was saying and some of the stuff I saw, I think a lot of people are not stoked on Izzy doing what he did to win yeah it's interesting some of the fighter perspectives on the fight because gagey was just like whitaker won three four and five and then our that's insane that's categorically Mike, insane michael chandler did you see what michael chandler had to say about it no oh, god uh, something about it was some really dumb take about how champions don't have to do anything to win he goes, quote, trust me, I love Izzy, but we have gotten to a point where a dominant champ just needs to stand there, throw a few shots per round, and he will not lose unless he gets caught and will always get the nod. Izzy got paid on this last contract. Go fight. Don't you dare spar. That was Michael Chandler's reaction to, Look, to, you know to the fight. I, and you know and, and like he also Michael said, bring everything. Didn't see it. So Michael mm-hmm. Chandler taking shots at at Asanya. You know I don't like Michael Chandler. He he has a point buried under a bunch of dumb stuff there. Like I agree. It would be a lot cooler if Israel Adesanya decided he wanted to try really hard. Because I think he would have won. The fight would have just been way cooler. And I think he could have potentially gotten Robert Whitaker out there. In my mind, he didn't do it because he knew he didn't need to. We used to see this with George St. Pierre all the time. He would just assert dominance over somebody and sit there. And, you know, Dan Hardy went five rounds with GSP, which is still an insane thing to say, like, right now, (laughs) that Dan Hardy, that GSP didn't just club Dan Hardy to death with his own body parts. So I think we see this with really dominant champions. John Jones was originally the one that's brought up. We saw that as well. To me, it is as much a structural problem that I have with it because if you just do that and you maintain a level of control, 
that's great. It's dominant. You get the 5-0 whitewashing that Eugene Behrman wanted. You also are giving Robert Whitaker, the second best middleweight in the world, 25 full minutes to try and figure something out. Like it's just better to try and finish fights than it is to dominantly win decisions. I think Izzy could have done that. If he had tried to put the hammer down, I think he probably could have gotten Whitaker out of there. But he didn't, and so he never was in trouble at all. But it is kind of, like you would rather him be Justin Gaethje and not j- just come forward like a madman. That's very true. But all right, do we have anything else? One more yeah, question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Okay, That was me. Oh. Okay, you're muted. But AK's trying to speak, and no one's hearing him. Not one person uh, in the whole yeah, world. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, the YouTube comments are very uh, supportive of Chandler's comments. They're all saying Chandler's right. They agree. Great take by Chandler. And, and, and in fairness, look, the guy has a past to say that kind of thing for the rest of his life after the Justin Gaethje fight, which I think even he acknowledged. He was like, yeah, I could have fought that fight smarter, but no. <laughs> no, I knew I, I knew I was in there with Justin Gaethje. It wasn't a championship fight, though. No, but just in general, I think I think just he's just saying like we're you know I think more regarding the pay thing. Look, like we get paid a certain amount of money, that means I should go in there and fight a certain way. And I don't know if I agree with that, but again, if, apparently a lot of the fans do, and uh, it, I don't know if it is uh, an absurd take given again given how he performed in his own. He didn't win the fight, fight unfortunately. If he had won it, maybe it would give it a little more credence. But I think there's a kernel of truth there. But the idea, like what he dressed it up in, is dumb because is he? outlanded Rob by like 30 strikes and got a knockdown. So it's not like he just stood there and retained his title. He beat Rob's ass just in a much more demure way than he could have. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a difference between a regular season NBA game and the game seven of the NBA finals, game seven, of the NBA finals. If you're dribbling the basketball, more than likely you're going to try to go for the layup rather than the reverse double tomahawk jam, which you would do in, the 10th game of the regular season you go for the for, for the the higher percentage shot and that's what that's what champions do the the object of the game is winning and maybe it's not as aesthetically pleasing as it might be watching a non-title three-round main card opener between justin gaethje and michael chandler but when you're fighting for gold and the amount of money that can come with said gold sometimes it changes strategies because the name of the game is winning fights and that's it I mean, love it or hate it, and you can respect Chandler's opinion all you want, but the name of the game is win. And he won. And he won pretty easily, in my opinion. Close fight, competitive, but he won pretty easily. How, in defense of Chandler and sort of myself, how would we all feel if Texas went full Texas and Robert Whitaker won? How would we be judging Israel Adesanya's, uh disconnected performance if he got screwed by the judges would we be saying the same things or not no of course absolutely not because ultimately this is a results-based business right like everything changes like you you even see it in the way people some people do rankings and we don't need to do a rankings discussion but like if 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 (laughs) if judges decide that this person won whereas everybody else sort of feels like oh that was a bad decision people still go along with it because that is the result that was given to them and then thus that is the result and we all sort of work forward from that like it's just a very it's very much a results-based industry and i mean it if Izzy had lost this fight tonight where I think all of us on this panel feel like he won the fight, some more so than others, uh, that would be hell to pay in terms of Texas. Awesome. Like that would be, be that awesome. would be incredible chaos. 
Uh, and and I mean, I don't know if that the UFC would be going back to Houston anytime soon oh, if that was what they were having. They absolutely would. They would. Maybe. 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 Oh yeah, they have a deal with them. If if a split decision for Robert Whitaker came out tonight, that probably business wise would have been a way better thing to happen than what happened actually happened tonight because people would have been talking about this card. They'd have been talking about that fight for two weeks. It probably until Mazadal and Covington's card. And then when they book this trilogy, it's just going to be absolutely gigantic. I'm it, Yeah. And this is going to be all sorts of pissed off. The build to the fight will get ugly and uncomfortable at times. And Whitaker's will be tested again. I mean, it would have been, we would have been talking about it and people have been arguing about it and things could have got a little nasty on social media. But if they went the other way, if they went the Mike Heck way and we got the Texas <laughs> chaos that I predicted, Oh boy, we'd be having. I mean, there'd be fifteen thousand people watching the stream right now at three forty-two oh in gosh. the morning. But Mike Heck would be slugging <laughs> beers, just ripping his shirt off, going full Stone Cold, telling sure. us how right he was. We really we missed something there. We really missed a moment that we could have had. I know, uh, yeah, we did. See, we. Oh, okay, I got to throw out a quick question. We haven't had a finish uh, in a UFC main event this year yet. Um, the, the, we've had all, all decisions, some of them more entertaining than others. Chikadze and, and Cater obviously was really fun to watch. The others, I, I liked Ngannou and Gone, and then Hermanson Strickland. Uh, but next week, not uh, even in, not even just in a UFC main event, but even if you throw in Bellator too, like sure. a five round main event, we have not yeah, had yeah. a finish yet in 2020. Uh, next next week, Jamal Hill, Eagle FC. Eagle FC, we there got we go. one. Do you guys think uh, Jamal Hill, Johnny Walker, we get a finish? Yeah, Johnny Walker is yeah. not a man who goes to decisions. Jamal Hill is not a guy that goes to decisions either. Is that a Tiago Santos joke or uh, – No, I'm saying Johnny Walker is a man who lives and dies by the right hand. I mean he's gone to like – Didn't Johnny Walker just go to a decision in his last fight? He just went to like a five-round boring decision. A super boring decision. It is physically possible for him to do it, but I don't think it's going to continue to happen. Like it is – Two of his last last three fights have been really bad decisions. (laughs) I mean man. Yeah, but – Look at the. He's over at SBG. You don't know what they're doing over there. Oh, I oh, forgot crap. he's an SBG. Shit, never mind. Oh yeah, and Jamal <laughs> Hill's also a finisher. So. And real quick, next crossed. week, next Man, week also main the main event in the same night is also Bellator's uh, Neiman Gracie versus Logan Story, and which I think oh, is, is is that their is that their first non-title fight five round main event. Already? Yes, I, believe, I believe that'll be the first one. Yeah. Okay. There. And that could be a rough. That could be a rough one. Why would that be a rough? And don't forget. And don't forget. Mm. Mike Perry versus Julian Lane, Knuckle Mania. That, that fight's go going down next weekend I'm too. Good. All right, it's definitely going to a decision. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's absolutely question, going to that's a decision. Question, it's a yes or no answer. I think. Israel Adesanya will be Anderson Silva's record for title defenses. What was no. Anderson's record was no, it 10? ten. Yeah, no, he's not gonna he's not gonna stick around that long. No, I mean, he's well, it depends on which four. numbers he's we're going even, by. He's only a four. Yeah. He's not even halfway. Like it's not it's not gonna happen. People yeah. people who were not around do not understand how incredible Anderson was. Like it's different when you look at a Wikipedia page. No sense of history. No sense of history. When you look at a Wikipedia page and you see it, it's like, oh yeah, that's great. But like people do not get how ridiculous that was for a long time in the moment. Like Izzy's great, man, but he's not gonna be Anderson. Izzy Izzy is great. Izzy has also been astonishingly not injured in his career, 
and it, he's in his he's 30 something now in the 30 is he 30 or 31 like no 30 that's yeah. just not going to continue to be the case Anders, it took Anderson five and a half, six years to get 10 title defenses. Izzy has done a lot very quickly. At some point, he's going to blow out an ACL or something. Knock on wood. I'm not wishing that upon him. But that it, this is the fight business that will happen. He also just can't have a bad night, like ever. <laughs> there is a world where he could have lost tonight. And that's not inconceivable that that could have happened. And the same thing could happen if he comes in listless against Jared Cannonier. Like, it's just impossible to get 10 title defenses. Nobody recognizes just how incredible that is. And so, yeah, it's not going to happen. Get out of here. All right. Okay, your thoughts. Yes or no? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's just not going to happen. I just don't think he's going to stick around long enough. I think Jed said it's impossible, and, and I would add, in today's UFC. There's just a different like schedule. There's just a different mindset fighters have now. Like They have all this kind of perspective of, again, wanting to go fight for other titles. He said he, said he hasn't given up on going up to light heavyweight. So if you factor that in, that's another thing to get in the way of it. Like, if he does that, I think he really needs to commit to sort of changing his body and leaving the middleweight division. So will he record six title defenses before that happens? Very unlikely. Um, again, it, it, it was you know we we had that that golden age of of, him, of um, Anderson Silva and, and George St Pierre where they were just racking up title defenses left and right, and they just don't keep that kind of schedule now. The UFC doesn't quite it, it isn't it is not as urgent as that for them to line up uh, defenses anymore. They're happy. I mean, they put out more cards, but they're also happy to put like Hermanson and Strickland in a main event, for example. Uh, I know it's a disrespectful thing to say, but that wouldn't happen a long time ago. It, it, it is just different culture now. And I just guys are more aware of the other opportunities they have too. as soon as they reach four or five tele defenses. They're like, I'm the goat. Maybe I'll go do some boxing and go fight Jake Paul. I'm going to go fight another division. It's just there's, there's a lot more options than they used to have. And and uh, the focus isn't there. So, uh, again, six more defenses is a lot. I could say three more, seven. I, I could see him hitting seven, seven, maybe eight. Ten is is really, really uh, it takes a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's gonna be a tough sell, tough sell. Because if he's if he really wants to go two hundred five, which I think he really does, I think that's a really significant goal for him. It, it's the waters are gonna be uh, pretty damn deep at two hundred five once he gets there with the Prohashkas and the Tsharas and and those guys that could be waiting for him. Prohashka Izzy is just oh oh that's the <laughs> yes. fight. Yes, God, give me that. Yes. Is let Izzy just vacate the middleweight title or fight Cannonier. You want to do that. <laughs> I don't care about that fight at all. You're probably going to beat the brakes off him, but whatever. <laughs> and then just vacate it and put on some weight and go fight Yuri Prohashka because that is everything I want in this world. God, that's the fight. You're going to get it, Jed. You're going to get it. Because Glover's gonna Glover's gonna beat Erie, then he's gonna beat uh, Alexander Volkov. Oh, <laughs> I love it. And then, I'm with you. Then he's, I'm with, then, then I'm with Mike. Yep. Then Teixeira is going to be Volkov, and then he's going to retire, and then the title's going to be vacant. And who's going to fight for the vacant title? Adesanya versus Prohashka. Let's do January it. January twenty twenty three. You're welcome, world. And Let's do it. I think we've I think we have done enough here. And about what seven hours from right now? Yes. AK and I are back right here in these very seats, looking dapper, fresh, tons of sleep. And we're going to do some matchmaking. On to the next one. 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. We'll see you here. And uh, thank you all for watching all the coverage throughout the day, the night, the last five hours. But you're all the real MVP. So for AK, for Jed, for Sean, I am Mike Heck. 
Good night, everybody. Happy birthday, Mike Heck. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mike Heck. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.